Okay, I got it. I got to go to the thing that says got it. Okay, I got Perfect. it. <laughs> Sounds good. But yeah, I, um, I am from, I was actually born in Nigeria and moved to North Carolina when I was nine years old and then West Windsor, New Jersey when I was 11. So proud New Jersey resident. Well, I love I you, man. 11 years old. Yeah. I, I said to Charlie, where's Falaran from? He said, he, he's from Jersey. I said, then I'm doing it then. <laughs> I love to hear it. Thank you so much. But yeah, welcome. Welcome to the show, Governor Murphy. Welcome to Go With The Flow. Thank you so much for taking the time out. Um, I know you're an extremely busy man and I have 30 minutes, so I'm just going to hop right into things if that's okay. Let's jump right in, man. Sounds good. And so I wanted to actually start with the topic of soccer, which is very timely because the U.S. men's national team just qualified for the World Cup yesterday. And I was reading online that you have been a passionate soccer fan and you even played when you were a younger child. Where did that initial passion come from since soccer wasn't a sport that was that big in America back in the yeah, day? It's a great question. But by the way, your, your friend and mine, Charlie Murphy, just told me the U.S. team got put in the pot, too, which is a really good development. I was yeah. fearing that would be in pot three. So Fingers crossed. Um, yeah, so it's a great story, actually. And it just goes to show you. One of my uh, best friends growing up was a guy named Gary Middleton. Gary was born in America, but his parents were both Scottish. And so this is probably late 60s. So you, you 50 something years ago, uh, every Saturday morning, and we'd do sleepovers. He'd be at my house or I'd go to his house. And when we were at his house, his dad would have Scottish soccer on his transistor radio. And we would all, you know, his mom, dad, Gary, and I would gather, he was an only child, would gather around the radio and listen to, you know, whether it was an Aberdeen game or Glasgow or somebody. And that's really where I got the bug. I started to play. Wasn't very good, by the way. Our <laughs> kids are quite good, but I, I was never very good. Uh, but that's where the passion came in. And then later in life, I, we lived in, I lived in Europe twice. Uh, we lived in Asia, you know, just developed it. Our kids then started playing it and the rest is uh, the rest is history. Yeah. And so the World Cup is coming to North America in 2026. How hopeful are you that New Jersey will be able to host a few games or maybe even potentially the finals? We are going to be if I had to predict a, a very important part of the cup. So it's 2026, you know, June, mid-June to mid-July. Um, three hosts, U.S., Canada, Mexico. Uh, U.S. has the most amount of games. Um, I think MetLife, you know, we have a joint bid with New York City. So Mayor Eric Adams and his team and me and our team in New Jersey are jointly bidding for this. Uh, and having New York City in the mix is a big deal positive. MetLife is one of the premier uh, biggest professional stadiums um, in, in America. The guys there who run it, Ron Vandeveen is his name and his team. They know what they're doing. They're renowned in the in stadium circles. So we've got a shot at getting, I think, a very su substantial role. What that will be, too early to tell. I think they're going to pick the stadia in May of this year. Okay. And they'll pick who gets the games, I think, next year. Uh, so I'm, fingers crossed we're doing everything we can and we'll keep at it. And that, that's good to hear because selfishly, um, I'm going to be in New York City starting in July, and it's good to hear that there'll potentially be games close by because, yeah. like I said, I'm graduating in two months. And in my mind, I always hope that the World Cup in the summer would be in the summer of 2022, but because it's in Qatar, it's going to be in the winter, so I would have started work. So we'll be yeah, a little tougher good. to make it then. What, what are you going to do in New York? I'm actually going to be a Goldman where, where you started off your career. Yeah, I <laughs> know. What, what part? Um, global markets. I'm going to be on the prime brokerage sales team. 
Excellent. So our daughter is starting there in July as well. So you should get make sure Charlie connects the two of you. Sounds good. We'll make we'll make sure to do that. Okay. <laughs> and and while we are on the topic of sports, I just wanted to ask you really quickly about the incredible St. Peter's run that just happened and your thoughts and just the the level of attention and pride that they brought to New Jersey. It was terrific, wasn't it? Um, yeah. Just we, we do brackets in our family. Charlie does every year. Charlie does it with his brother Josh. Mom does it with our daughter, Emma. I do it with our son, Sam. And Sam and I had them winning their first two games. Uh, we had, uh, my wife and I had gone to some Mac games, both in person and on television. We were impressed as heck by Shaheen Holloway, who's now going to Seton Hall, Seton as you Hall, know. Yeah. Um, I just, it was incredible. Then we were in Philadelphia live for both their Sweet 16 and their Elite Eight game. Uh, the Sweet 16 game was one of the best games I've ever been to in my life. The Elite Eight was Unfortunately, probably one of the worst. They, they lost <laughs> in the first five minutes. Yeah. Uh, but what a story. Tiny Jesuit school in Jersey City. I had the honor of going to their practice a couple of weeks ago. Just incredible group uh, led by a great coach. We've got an outstanding woman who's the athletic director. So I'm sure they're, they're very sorry to see the coach leave. But my gut tells me they've got enough of a legacy there that they can build on it. Yeah, for sure. And even just a quick shout out to the Mac, because I have two older brothers. So we all actually went to school in New Jersey. Oldest brother went to Rutgers. I see the Rutgers helmet behind you. And then my middle brother went to Rider University, which is in the Mac. So, yes, he was he was very proud of, of the little run that they had. Listen, I, I um, my wife and I were in Atlantic City for the for their tournament and saw Ryder and Monmouth play. We then watched Monmouth St. St. Peter's on television. It's a good league with really good talent. Ryder, I think, knocked off Iona. All right. Yes, I believe so. Yes, I mean, so that's that's a big deal. That, that they were the favorite in that tournament. So, yeah. And so, I guess just final thought on March Madness. We have the Final Four coming up. Do you have any predictions of who's going to win it all? Well, I'll tell you who I'm rooting for, and that's Villanova. Uh, we have a lot of connections to Nova, as you know. There's a lot of Jersey, uh, both students and alums. I think Jay Wright, the coach, is married to a Cherry Hill gal. Um, so I'm we're gonna I'm gonna root for Nova, but I think they've got a really tough pull. Uh, Kansas is really good. One of Nova's best players is out, sadly, with a ruptured Achilles. It's going to, back, uh, by the way, allow a guy named Brian Antoine from Tinton Falls. He's from New Jersey. Right yep. us, yes. and a friend of our youngest guy, Sam's. It'll give him more playing time. Uh, but that's a tough pull. Carolina Duke is one for the ages. They've never met in the tournament. Yep. Um, I, I don't know that I've got a prediction. I guess if I head on the margin – my, my heart is with Villanova, uh, and I have to say as well with Coach K, this is the end of the line for him. My head is probably with Kansas. Fair enough, fair enough. And for me, I have a personal attachment to Duke University because when we first moved from Nigeria, my mom actually went to Duke Law School. So it was the first university that I ever knew in the country. And so I always have an affinity for Duke basketball and hoping to see Coach K go out on top this year. Yeah. That's a good reason. And by the way, I always stick with moms. So yeah, always. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> always yeah. good advice. Yeah. And so now I want to take it um, all the way back to your years at Harvard. I was doing a little bit of research for this uh, interview or conversation, as I like to call it. And I saw that while you're at Harvard, you're a president of something called the Hasty Pudding Theatricals. Yep. And you had you aspired to go into musical theater professionally. Where did that initial initial love come from? And how did the 180 happen to then go into yeah, a career I mean, in business? I, my, uh, I had an uncle who was in vaudeville. So there's a little bit of, uh, legacy history in my family. My dad was a big sort of jazz, big band fan. Uh, 
you know, early on, love watching movies of all kinds, but movie musicals. I first tried out for a, a musical in, I think I was in eighth grade, so I'm in middle school. Uh, and that point, by the way, it was called junior high and it was grades seven, eight, nine. So it's a little different than the configuration that we have today. To be honest with you, I think I tried out to meet girls. Uh, <laughs> I don't think I Fair had any great passionate uh, <laughs> uh, rationale, but I got hooked on it. Uh, and I did a lot in school, in junior high and high school, in the summers, uh, and then went to Harvard and the Hasty Pudding Show was and is a big deal in the musical comedy space. It's always an original show uh, written by students, music, book, lyrics, directed by professionals. So that was a pretty cool thing. I had learned how to tap dance uh, the summer, the year before I went to college in a show called No, No, Nanette. That probably got me in the hasty pudding because there's a big chorus line tap dance in every year's show. And I know how to tap dance. So there, there weren't a lot of guys lining up around the block who could say they could tap dance. <laughs> uh, and I ended up doing it for four years. I, myself and a classmate were the first guys ever to do it for four years and became president, vice president one year and president the next. Used to be all male, very famously all male. And at long last, thank God, it went co-ed a, a, a few, I think three years or so ago, but it's a cool thing. They give out a man and woman of the year award every year. So I got to meet people, you know, who were big deals, uh, in show business. Uh, and it, it was a great experience all around. And so then how did the transition or the 180, I think then happened for you to pursue a career in business and finance? Yeah, I considered, uh, theater and a lot of the guys, uh, I graduated from Harvard in 79 and a lot of the guys, in that in those years um, pursued theater um, some of them very successfully the first lead on Broadway in uh, Miss Saigon was one of the guys I I was uh, in shows with um, and but a lot of them not successfully it's a brutal brutal it's like trying to play professional basketball I mean the the, the, the funnel narrows to get to Broadway or to, in a meaningful way or get to Hollywood in a meaningful way but in any event, I considered it and I thought to myself, you know what? I looked in the mirror. This is good advice for anybody who's watching this. Be honest with yourself. Uh, and I looked in the mirror and said, you know what? I'm not going to be one of the guys who makes it. I just, yeah. don't, I just don't think I'm good enough. So I applied to business school because I grew up without two nickels to rub together. So picking a job based on what it paid, which is a lousy way to pick a job, by the way. But that's the way I was trying to figure out life. So I thought if I, get, if I went to business school, I could make a few bucks coming out of there. And I deferred that for a couple of years. I sold textbooks uh, to uh, junior colleges and community colleges. I don't recommend that uh, as a profession. Uh, uh, signed up a few folks to write books. That was a pretty cool part of it. And then went, got an MBA, worked at Goldman Sachs for the summer, which for me, it's hard to believe was 40 years ago wow. this uh, year. And I stayed there for 20 odd years and, Turned out I was decent at it. A, a yeah. lot of folks, a lot of folks uh, go into that line of business because their dad was a banker or they've been obsessing with it or their grandfather or their uncle or their aunt or their mother or whatever. I had zero banker uh, uh, genes, role models, legacy in my family. As I say, it was a stupid reason for me. I went just because I wanted to finally make some money in life, but it turned out I, I was more 
my, my skills matched up better than I would have predicted. So, yeah. And honestly, that sounds pretty similar to me also, because I came into Princeton pre-med engineering and then quickly realized that neither of those things were for me. And then eventually found my way to finance and Goldman because I thought it was a better fit for my skill set also. But you brought yeah, up that's, uh, that's life, right? Yeah, exactly. And you brought up your uh, that you got an MBA from Warren, which I actually wanted to ask you about, because this is like an inter a conversation that I have with some of my friends. Do you personally think that an MBA degree is worth now what it used to be back in the day? It's hard to say because I'm not there. Uh, I think the, the very good schools have evolved with the times. I know Wharton has. Um, it's an out, it remains an outstanding school. It's kind of in vogue these days. And, and you'll probably face this question yourself. It's in vogue these days to, it used to be much more typical when I was going through the system to go out and work for a couple of years and then go back and get an MBA to some, some degree. Most, most folks who went to law school went straight in. There was not the, the frequency of the work experience. Um, it's hard to say. I know it's in vogue that folks say it, it, you don't need it these days. Techni knowing technology, engineering, in your case, is a lot more important. Um, and I, I, I don't know. It was really really, really helpful for me. I was an immature student in college uh, and I was a really mature student in business school. I, that was partly because I took a couple of years off and partly because Wharton really, it really hit a chord with me. So I know it worked for me. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, that was just a question out of curiosity because everyone has their own unique yep. take on this. But then fast forward and you, like you mentioned, you were at Goldman for I think 23 years, was hired in 2006 and then served as ambassador to Germany from 2009 to 2013 and then eventually decided to run for governor. What made you decide to leave the public sector to then focus on a role of public service? To, to go from uh, finance into public service? Yes, yes. Yeah. So you're absolutely right. I left Goldman full-time in 03 and I was a senior guy there. So they gave me an office and a title for a few more years. I'll tell you what I did, uh, which is, you know, why public service? That probably goes back to when I was a kid uh, growing up outside of Boston with a dad, by the way, who didn't get out of high school, but was passionate about politics, Kennedy Democrats, you know, gym rats as it related to politics. I'd say the why goes all the way back to that, but a more practical answer is I became the national finance chair, which is basically a full-time volunteer for the Democratic National Committee uh, in 2006, alongside Howard Dean, uh, who was a really good chair of the party. And I basically helped raise the money over the ensuing two and a half years, first taking back Congress and then getting um, then Senator Barack Obama elected president. So, so that was a direct, you know, the president and I, got to know each other. Uh, they asked me if I wanted to be in government. I said, I would love to represent our country somewhere around the world. My wife and I both thought it would be a really cool thing for our young kids to see the world when they were young. Both she and I worked overseas, um, but when we were adults, um, and so, and I, I spoke some German. I had been posted for four years in Germany uh, with Goldman Sachs. Barack Obama, if nothing else, he's an extraordinary guy, but he's really logical as well. He's kind of a Dr. Spock. I'll give you one of these. Uh, and the fact that I knew the country, knew the language, at least to some degree, was really impactful. And we had an extraordinary 
uh, four years and it impacted our kids. You can ask my son, Charlie, who, you know, he's a German studies major. There's no way that happens if we don't make that move and live in Berlin. Uh, we're all passionate about uh, German soccer. Uh, we're obsessed. We've got our, our kids have friends who are Ukrainian, uh, a lot of German friends, you know, we're obsessed with this awful, horrible uh, war started by this thug Putin. So it, ch it changed all of our lives. Uh, there's no one moment. Last part is there's no one moment that I can say, how did you get from when you came back from being ambassador to run for governor? That's I'm, I'm not sure there was one aha moment other than New Jersey was broken. Uh, and I felt that the skills that I had, I say this with humility, matched up well with what New Jersey needed, which is basically skills to fix it. And the rest is history. Yeah. And you mentioned that you are a big Bundesliga fan. I think Charlie said that he would mention too that I was a Manchester United fan. So my, my team has been struggling a lot. Lady, who, who is your team? Who's who are you? I'm a Manchester United fan. Well, oh, you are man. I'm sorry. I thought, yeah. um, I thought you mentioned Charlie. Yeah, that, I'm, I'm surprised. Particularly the German they brought in uh, is is a kind of a viewed as a pioneer, a genius. Ralph Ragnick, yeah. sort of the guy who inspired Jurgen Klopp and the sort of aggressive, fast-paced pressing style that the Germans never used to do, and all of a sudden that's their trademark. So I think it's probably Hertha BSA, which is the, the Berlin team. That's the okay. one that, if, if you asked all six Murphys and you did a secret poll, my guess is you'd get that answer. We got some Liverpool fans, including me. Bayern Munich, we know some of the folks involved with that club. We just love the sport. Absolutely love the sport. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. And so you, again, went from a career of working in finance to working in public service. And one thing that obviously comes with that is an increased level of scrutiny and just a lot more attention and focus on your life. And I was just wondering how you personally prepared for that type of transition, because I'm sure that as you were getting yourself into it, you just knew that there was going to be so much more of a fo focus, not only on you, but your entire family. Yeah, exactly. Um, the good news for us, there's probably good news and bad news. The good news for us is all six of us had a pretty good taste of it uh, when I was an ambassador. So it's not the same. You know, they're not electing you over in Berlin when you're representing America. Policy is made in Washington. It's executed around the world. You have input into policy, but you really have the front end of the job, not the back end. You have a fair amount of scrutiny, though. You're on television. You're in the newspaper driving around on an armored car, you have security. So there's all, all that that goes with it. So that was a good experience because that got all six of us prepared for what politics would be like. So when we sat around the table as a family to make the decision about um, do we go or not go in terms of running for office, I think a big part of that discussion and decision in a, in a family that is doing it for the first time is your very question. How are we gonna hold up under scrutiny? How do we feel about 24-hour day security, being in the newspaper, on television, et cetera? That wasn't an issue for our family because we had lived it to some degree. The bad news is uh, I don't care if anybody takes a shot at me. And I think my wife would say the same thing about her. She's a full-time volunteer uh, for the state of New Jersey. You know, we're, we've put ourselves out there, but it's not on to go after your kids. And there are, most people are wonderful. This state is filled with millions of wonderful people. There are some real jerks. Uh, and uh, I, I will leave it at that. And I, again, I don't care about me or my wife, but 
but I do care. My kids are, are, are not in office. And uh, as I say, most everybody's really good. Unfortunately, not everybody. Yeah, and that actually relates to a question that I was going to ask you also, but I have down, and that's that is um, in a, your role as governor, you obviously know that there is a section of the state that might not necessarily be your biggest fans. At this point in your career, do you find yourself still trying to win more people over, or are you just focusing on the people that are in your corner? No, I I, I don't give up. Um, I don't give up, and it's not winning them over for the sake of me. Um, I'd like. I just think we're a stronger state if we have fewer divisions. So I pride myself uh, with having good relations, not with everybody, for sure, but good relations with a whole lot of Republican elected officials and and um, and other important folks. I literally was texting back and forth with the state, the former state chair of the Republican Party this morning. I was with a Republican mayor who asked me to join him to sort of highlight uh, this is Holmdel, which is in Monmouth County by us. They're sending over a ton, literally over a ton of supplies to, to Ukraine. And uh, uh, a mutual friend asked if I could come by and stand with him. So I don't do it for the sake of my own ego. Although I, you can't help but, you know, you, somebody comes up and tells you where to go while you're having dinner at a restaurant, which happens from time to time. It's a little bit, you know, you, you, don't, you don't welcome that. But I, 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 you have to be able to let that stuff roll off your back. But I do believe with all my heart in, in that comment I made earlier, the fewer the divisions we have, the stronger the state is. And my job is to have the strongest New Jersey possible. And so in that regard, I'm always trying to find common ground. Don't always succeed, but I, I'm always trying to find common ground and will continue to. Yeah, for sure. And so... In my doing my research, I saw that you were born and raised in Massachusetts. And so I was just curious as to how your New Jersey pride has been able to grow and evolve over the last six or so years. Yeah, the fact that I was born and, and grew up in Massachusetts and I still root for the sports teams up there gets me no votes in New Jersey. <laughs> but I figure you have two choices, Falarin. You can either hide behind, you know, pretend that you're a fan of a team in, in New Jersey or New York or Philadelphia or just tell people the truth. And I think in, Jer in New Jersey, we're one of those states they respect. They may hate the fact that I root for the team, but they respect the fact that I'm not uh, playing with them. Listen, this is the best state in America. And, I, and, I'm, and that's no knock on the Commonwealth of Massachusetts, which I, which I love. And I wouldn't be where I am in life without having gone to school there and having had a loving family and whatnot. But this is the best state in America. And I know you and I are biased. Yeah, uh, I agree. <laughs> right? But it's true. It is true. It's got the it's got a backbone like no other grit, character, sense of humor, talent, resiliency. No state can take a punch like ours and get back up. We lost over 30,000 people in COVID and we're not out of the woods yet. It's better, but we're not out of the woods. Um, and, and yet we're still standing. 30 percent of our small businesses went under. Uh, we're still standing. The unemployment rate shot through the roof. We're still standing. I don't think any state in America has that that capability, has that heart, has the will that New Jersey has. And I, I wholeheartedly agree. And it's funny because I didn't even realize how proud I was of New Jersey until I came to Princeton and all my friends who came from all over the state and all over the world to school here tried to trash this, the, the state. And I was like, guys, let's let's put some respect on New Jersey's name, please. <laughs> Let me tell you. It, 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 I think those days are going to be in our rearview mirror. I really believe that this state is on fire right now. That's which makes the fact that we're still in the late stages of a pandemic. It makes makes that even more incredible.
Yeah, all, sure. By the way, we're also the most diverse state in America. So when people say to me, quick, what should I know about New Jersey? My answer is talent and location. Location second, and I'll put that aside, but talent, not just the best public schools in America, some of the great universities in America, including the one you're sitting in right now, um, in the world in, in Princeton's case, uh, but also diversity. And, we, and we're, we're the most densely populated state in America. So it's not just that we're diverse. California is 19 times the size of New Jersey in terms of geography. We're not only diverse, but we live on top of each other, which means we can't help but walk in the other guy's shoes. And I think that sort of has a one plus one equals three result in terms of why we're all in this together. For sure. And I see that I have four minutes left here, so I'm going to skip ahead to one of my last questions. And that is just looking back on your career, what is something that you wish you knew when you were graduating college that you now know? And it's kind of second part of that question is just general advice for, for all college students who are about to graduate. Yeah, I, I alluded to this earlier. I picked uh, business school. First of all, I got incredibly lucky, but I picked business school and I picked my job for all the wrong reasons in the sense that I was, we had so little money as a family. Uh, I call us middle-class on a good day that I became obsessed with, okay, what's the best path to make some money, pay my debts down, help my parents out. And I'm, I'm happy to obviously to have helped my parents out, but that's just the wrong, I, I, if anybody's watching this, I assume mostly students are watching this. Is that fair? Yes, to say? mostly students. Yes. Yeah. M- millions, I assume, Flora, right? Soon enough. Yes. Okay. Just checking. <laughs> just checking. Um, make sure you look in the mirror and you're honest with yourself. And, and make sure that you are pursuing, whether it's graduate school or a career, for the, the so called right reasons. There's a book, I'm not sure it's still printed, but it was called something like, what color, what color is my parachute? And I'm sure there are online exercises, but that book is filled with, circle the words on this page. When I wake up in the morning, I can't wait to fill in the blank. Or when I wake up in the morning, the last thing I wanna do is blank. So in other words, find ways to put a, a mirror up to yourself. And I, I, I didn't do that. I got incredibly lucky. Um, and so, that's, that's probably both what I wish I knew and my advice. And I'd say the other thing is guys your age, gals your age, you got a hundred years ahead of you. Uh, be patient, play the long game. That doesn't mean you shouldn't jump at something that makes complete sense, but do whatever you're doing with a, a fair amount of Zen. Uh, I'm, I'm in this thing for the long pull and uh, I can afford to sort of, be sensible and patient in my in my decisions. Yeah, for sure. And that is that is great advice to the millions of viewers that I have for the podcast. And millions. with our last the billions eventually. And with the last two minutes, I want to just do a few quick fire questions, just one word answers. Sure. Cristiano Ronaldo or Lionel Messi? Boy, I'll tell you this year, Cristiano, uh, but I'd say over the span of the career, Leo. Jordan or LeBron? Who's the first? LeBron James or Michael Jordan? Jordan, still. Um, favorite meal to cook? I don't cook much. Uh, <laughs> so don't, don't be, don't, uh, you, you may want to censor this part of the broadcast. Uh, favorite meal, listen, last night, my wife and I watching the U.S. men and the women's 
team that we owned, Gotham, um, which won one nothing. We had corn soup, veal chop, and salad, and a glass of wine. That to me was a good. That's a good dinner. And last question: favorite musical artist? Boy, it'd have to be a, a Jersey. Uh, it'll be a Jersey uh, operation because we know some of these folks very well. And it, we're in Jersey after all, which is chock-a-block of talent. So I'm going with um, John Bon Jovi, Bruce Springsteen. Uh, we've gotten to know Johnny Resnick, who is the Goo Goo, Doll, Goo Goo Dolls lead singer, uh, who we're big fans of. And then a lot of the guys, Brian Fallon from Gaslight Anthem. We, we've got gobs of talent in this state. Um, I will also say a lot of them, especially John and Bruce, have been hugely important to our state during the, the pandemic. Every time we asked them to do something, they said yes without hesitation. We'll never forget that. They're not alone. John Stewart would be on that list. Others, SZA, um, a, a good group of folks, but um, not, not only a lot of great talent in Jersey, but a lot of heart as well. Yeah. And so just one last concluding thought, because we are at now, we are at 30 minutes, and I know you're a very busy man. Um, this is the, where I just want to personally promote my little selfish selfish it's a selfish promotion um i don't know if you know about the we have a dinky on campus which is a little train that takes us to princeton junction yeah and i just wanted to float the idea by you of making student prices on nj transit okay that's just that's just a little suggestion on my end a little thought that i want to leave you with (laughs) i love that you know one, one the reason why do i know the dinky from charlie i'm sure but um because of my position not because of me but my position I sit uh, as an ex officio member on the Princeton board. Okay. Uh, and so uh, I've got a board meeting a week from Saturday, in fact. And I don't think I've missed one since I've been governor. It's an extraordinary board and it's an extraordinary university. It sounds like students could use a break unfair. So I'll take that back to the team. Amazing. Thank you so much. And again, Governor Murphy, thank you so much for taking out the time. This has been a very enjoyable podcast. Same with me. Uh, I'm going with the flow. And thank you, Falaron. See you on campus at some point soon, I hope. Thank you. Have a good day. You too. Bye.